Morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you. We're delighted to be back with you again and uh, delighted to be here and have the opportunity to minister the Word of God. Before we go any further, I want to mention that uh, uh, Steve and Julie, I'm just amazed at you guys. Uh, these guys were always good, but they're great now. They're, uh, I, and I'm serious. Uh, very few men I've seen lead. And I've seen a lot. I've been in a lot of churches. Lead any better than you do. You do a great job, and I want you to know that. Now that I've puffed up him, make sure that when he leaves, you knock him down a little bit, all right? Let's unite our hearts together in a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you for the goodness of our great God. We thank you that we can meet together with the blessed people of God and to worship him and to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this day that, Lord, that he might be exalted as he already has been in the music we have sung. We pray, blessed Spirit of God, you would please to, to take your word and take the seed of that word and indelibly implant that seed in the soil of our heart. As it is nourished by the water of the word of God, help there to be growth and help us, Father, this day to leave this place having said, boy, it's been good to have been with the people of God gathered together in the house of God worshiping the blessed Son of God. We pray this, Lord, with thanksgiving in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Romans chapter 12. You have your Bibles. We're going to be looking at a portion, a couple of portions of scriptures. We'll begin at Romans chapter number 12. A familiar text for all of us, I'm sure. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, I, I want to be able to share uh, from my heart today, because some here are getting a little older, as I am, and this may have more relevance for you than maybe some others, but I think there's a lesson for all of us that we can learn from here. That word beseech that's used in chapter 12, verse 1, is a word that means alongside, and a, a second word that means to call or to beckon. So it's a word picture of the Spirit of God calling us, coming alongside of us and calling us and beseeching us and pleading with us to present our bodies as a sacrifice to Jesus Christ. I understand it was also a military word, where a commander would walk amongst his troops, and as he would, he would beseech and urge them to stand tall and to be face the battles that they had to face very bravely. Perhaps the reason that is part of the meaning of the word is that Paul knew that if you and I ever come to the place in our lives where we completely consecrate our lives to Jesus Christ and surrender to him, we'll face a tremendous amount of spiritual warfare that will wage against us from our carnal nature and many others, perhaps even in the family of God. But here in Romans chapter 12, the sacrifice that is being made to be made is a living sacrifice. We know in the, the old in the Old Testament they would sacrifice animals, the animals would be killed and sacrificed, and obviously they can only be sacrificed once. However, when we present our bodies as living sacrifice it implies that we must live in a continual state of surrender and consecration. Our commitment begins with a momentous once and for all decision to keep on surrendering, but it takes a, key, a daily decision to keep on surrendering 
and uh, consecrating our life to the Lord. There must, however, even though we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament it's a living sacrifice, there must be a death. Paul put it this way, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I believe in some ways, in many ways, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 is a commentary of the Old Testament text in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. And there in chapter 22, verse 30, we read, God said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. This is a word picture here now in Ezekiel where a soldier guarding a wall that's being bombarded by an enemy has a weakening point in that wall and is about to fall. And this one man, Ezekiel, is looking for someone that will stand in that breach and be himself the wall that is necessary to defend the city. One man, one woman, does make a difference. Moses proved that to us, Daniel, Paul, Deborah, Hannah, they all stood in the gap. And it's interesting in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we're told not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed and by the renewing of your mind that you might know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The first letter for good is G, the, sec the first letter for acceptable is A, and the first letter for perfect is P, and that's the gap that Ezekiel is looking for. That's the mandate that Romans gives us when we present our bodies as a, a living sacrifice to God. We stand in the gap. We stand in a weakened position, perhaps, or a wall that has been weakened as someone that can fill that gap. He uses the word in Romans chapter 12, present. It's the same word that uh, Mary and Joseph used in Luke chapter 2, 22, when they took the Lord Jesus Christ to the temple in Jerusalem. The fact of the matter is, they consecrated him there, and that presentation of our bodies is just like the one that was made of him. It's very serious, it's deliberate, and it must be renewed each day. However, having said all of that, and I know you know all of that, we read in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing. But I do get worried. I do get tired. I do become weak. I do become discouraged. I do question. I have in my mind all kinds of thoughts that as a born-again believer that is told to present their body, a born-again believer in presenting their body stands in the gap, that I am afraid almost too ashamed to admit. Paul said to the Corinthians, to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I don't always abound in the work of the Lord. Sometimes I falter. Sometimes I look like the believers that Paul wanted to go to in the book of Romans. In chapter 1, verse 11, he uses the word established. The word established is our English word prop. P-R-O-P, and Paul is essentially saying to the Romans, I want to run to your help so that I can be a prop, so that when you're tottering back and forth under the weight of adversity and discouragement, you can lean on me. I can be that, not only a gap, I can be not only that one that fills the gap, but I can be that prop that will help you. Now, there are two verses I want us to look at that we're going to uh, spend quite a bit of time with. The first one is in Hebrews, if again, you have your Bibles, if you turn over there to the 10th chapter, verse number 23. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, excuse me, 23, we read, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Now we know that Hebrew is written to professing Christians that were in danger of giving it up, of quitting, of turning their back on that profession of faith in a weakened, demoralized, discouraged state because of the tension and the pressure that was around them. And Paul is writing this letter as an exhortation, as an encouragement to them to keep on keeping on. Now for those of us that have presented our bodies a living sacrifice unto God, for those of us in presenting that body have become a man or a woman that stands in the gap, for those of us that want to be like Paul was to the Romans, someone that would run alongside of them and act as a, as a prop so that, when when, so that when they're tottering under the weight of adversity, you're there and I'm there for them, sometimes we're like these believers. Sometimes we come to the conclusion, well, I've did my, I did my part. I've been at this a long time. It's time for me to step down. Now, when I'm saying this, I know what I'm saying because I'm at the age where I don't want to step down. I don't want to resign. I don't want to retire. I don't want to do any of the things that the world is telling us to do. Nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves. I'm not criticizing anybody else. But there's always a battle raging in my mind, and maybe in yours as well, in, in yours as, well as to what it is we should do. So the first word that he uses here in chapter 10, verse 23, that's, that's interesting, is the word whole fast. It's the word kadeko, and it comes from two words. It's a compound word. The first word kato means it carries, and I quote this, it carries the idea of something that comes downward. It carries the force of something that comes down so hard and so heavily, it is overpowering and dominating. And when this force arrives on the scene, it conquers, it subdues, and immediately begins expressing its overwhelming, influencing power in our lives. That's Jesus Christ, my Savior. The second word that this word comes from, echo, is the word echo itself, and it means I have. It means it gives a sense of, of the notion of possession. So Paul, as he's writing these believers and you and I, he is saying simply this. I have someone that has come down from above. That one that has come down from above is one who has infinite power and his influence is so overwhelming that it virtually has made me a new creature in Christ. That power and that one who has come down, Bible tells us in the use of this word is, I possess him, I have him, or more accurately, he possesses me. Therefore, knowing that I am to hold on, or as the word means, it's not a condition of my salvation, it's an evidence that I with all my heart and with all my mind and with all my soul believe this one who indwells me is an overwhelming, empowering influence that is so influential in my life and in the life of those that I contact around me that it would be incumbent upon me to present my body a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto him. I wrote down here, you and I as believers have someone who came down for word from heaven. Jesus Christ is so overpowering and dominating that he subdues, conquers, and becomes such an overwhelming influential power in my life 
that we actually become a new person in Christ. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1, we're told to be strong. There are times, as I've already mentioned, I do not feel strong. The older I grow in the Lord, it seems the less sure I am of myself. The older I grow in the Lord, the more I realize my weaknesses, and sometimes those weaknesses are at the expense of strengths. Rather than being more sure of myself, I become somewhat intimidated by the lack of knowledge that I have and the lack of power that I have evidenced in my life and the lack of power I've evidenced in my ministry. With that intimidation, Paul writes to Timothy in this letter uh, describing the last days, and he says to those of us in these last days, be strong. The word strong there is in dunemo, and it is a word, again, that is a compound word. The first word for strong is the word in. E-N, it means in, I-N. The second word of this compound word is the word dudamos. It means an explosive strength, an ability, and a power. We get our English word dynamite from this word, as you well know. So here, this word in dunemo presents a picture of an explosive power being deposited in some kind of a container or in some kind of vessel or some kind of receptacle. Folks, who do you think is the container? Who do you think is the receptacle? Who do you think is the one that this power, this, this, this one that has come down who has such a profound influence in our lives, who do you think has, who do you think contains him? Who do you think is the vessel? Who do you think is the one who is the receptacle of this one who has come down. It's us. It's you. It's me. To be bored with our Christianity, to be indifferent to spiritual things, to be indifferent to the plight of a church that needs robustness and revival and renewal, to be indifferent to all of these things is a tragedy beyond description. Knowing that this one that has come down, this, this awesome, overwhelming power who has come down and has chosen as a receptacle, as a container, or as a vessel to hold that power is me and is you. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says that we're predestinated to be conform, excuse me, to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Fact is, the ongoing conformity takes place when we agree with the Word of God and its author. And as we've studied the, about the word hold fast, we learn that God of, of the Word empowers, dominates, conquers, subdues, and becomes such an overwhelming, influencing power that our lives become obedient. And when we confirm, or uh, can, then we conform uh, our lives with what He says in His Word. Now, I want to look at another word. John chapter 10, verse 23, we've looked at hold fast, we've looked at profession. The third word, or the second word that I want us to look at is this word profession. This word profession is the word homoglodia. It, it comes again, it's a compound word. The first word homo means one of the same kind. The second word logos means a word. So this word that is used in Hebrews chapter 10, 23 means we're becoming one of the same kind or we're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We are reflecting Jesus Christ to the world all around us. How do we do that? 
because we have such an overwhelming power that has come down with, when, as we study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that not to be, not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. We have an increased knowledge of this one who has come down from above, who, who has chosen you and I as vessels and containers and receptacles. And as we have an increased knowledge of this one, we have an increased confidence to keep on keeping on. And when we have an increased confidence in the one that is revealed to us in the word of God, then we constantly are being conformed to the image of God. As homologia means one of, the same God, one of the same kind. And the second word, word, it is the word of God that makes us one of the same kind, likening ourselves to Jesus Christ and his power and in his love. This is an amazing, almost incomprehensible truth that God sent his Son downward from above, deposited the Holy Spirit of God and his power through God's grace to all of us, which enables each of us to continue the process of conformity to Jesus Christ. This is accomplished when we align ourselves with God's word through obedience. Now, third word in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast, we've studied that, the profession, we've studied that, of our faith now without wavering. Now this word, without wavering, or the word wavering, I don't know how it's pronounced, but it's spelled A-K-L-I-N-E-S. It conveys the idea of something or someone who doesn't bend. It's something that is fixed, it's unmovable, it's therefore stable, and it's enduring. However, the interesting thing about this word wavering, acclines, uh, uh, is if you leave out the first letter, A, it changes the meaning altogether. If you leave out this letter in the Greek, I understand, the wavering, I'm told, remains a word picture of someone who has now rather standing and being strong and being stable and unmovable and unbound, un, un, uh, unbounding. This word now, when you take the prefix away, the A, it means to bow down uh, with shoulders slumped and body bent over. This person is so tired that they can hardly stand. Ultimately, he or she is so exhausted that they're ready to throw in the towel and give up. The fact is, the word clines is the same root word, I'm told, that is used for a bed or a couch. Now listen, folks. Here's the options that we have as believers. We can, as this word, the second word without the prefix A on it, we can bend our shoulders over, we can be weakened to such an extent, spiritually speaking, because we're focusing on what used to be or some circumstance or some situation that I have in my life that has so downtrodden trodden me and made me so discouraged that I lack the exuberance, I lack the vitality, I lack the the, the intensity of sharing Jesus Christ, living with him, and saying to the whole world that I'm a Christian, and I thank God that that power has come down, has my life, has given me and enabled me such an influence in the world because of his power that we can make a difference even when we're in our 70s or 80s. Fact of the matter is, this second word means as I said, it couldn't be used for a couch or for a bed. A couch or a bed is where somebody quits, lays down, 
and falls asleep and becomes lethargic, indifference, and apathetic. Is that you, folks? Is there somebody in this room today that can remember a time in people's church when the church was full and there was such phenomenal enthusiasm and excitement? The Spirit of God was working in our midst in such a way that every day was, a, was an event that every time we came to church, we came with an expectation, what's God going to do today? Sometimes we lose that vitality. Sometimes, like the couch potato, we get tired. We want to lay down. When we lay down, we become apathetic. We stagnate. We, be, we begin to vegetate. Now, here's the conclusion to the matter. So what are we? Are we ones who don't bend? Are we fixed and unmovable and therefore stable and enduring? Do we have an infectious excitement of anticipation that is, that is stirred on by not because it's, the church is as big as it used to be, not because there's a dynamic pastor, not because of numbers, not because of all of these other things, but we're stirred on to serve because of our love for Jesus Christ. Folks, hear me. Ministry for multitudes of people is replacing the love of Jesus Christ. Serving in ministry was never intended to replace the love that compels me to fall on my face before a holy, righteous God and cry for forgiveness for the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit of God to enable me to go out and do the things that God has graciously and gloriously called me to do. The other option we have, we can be infectious, we can be stirred by the love we have for God, or... We can head for the couch and for the bed where we want to lay down, stagnate, vegetate, because our focus is not on because our focus is on our situation and on people and in all other things. Shrinking numbers, as I said, financial challenges and an unshakable sense that things are just not what they used to be, or mad, or I'm hurt, or I'm hindered, or I'm I'm weakened. Fact of the matter is, folks, the churches that I get in from time to time I'm always overwhelmed by the lack of infectious enthusiasm that men and women that have this indescribable power that has come downward, who has chosen to indwell us as a vessel or container and has enabled us by the power of the Holy Spirit of God and the power of the Word of God, how we can become so mundane, so blasé, how we can come to the place in our Christian life where we can say, oh, I heard that before. I heard that before. A guy was here two weeks ago and said the same thing. Folks, we need individuals. Not because of ministry, not because they've fallen in love with ministry, but because they love the Lord God Almighty. They are willing to present their bodies. They are willing not only to present their bodies, but to fall on their faces before a holy, righteous God and cry to be filled with the power that has come downward, that has indwelt our lives, that enables us, that, that power that suppresses the discouragement, that power that suppresses the demoralization, that power that has been given to every single one of us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. We're closing very quickly, folks. He says there, 
Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Well, the word confidence there means boldness, assurance, faith. It means something that is catching, not necessarily taught. It means something that is contagious. It means something that is infectious. It means something that I can look at and I can see there is a man, there is a woman that isn't so obsessed with ministry and preeminence in ministry as he is obsessed with the infallible reality of his love for Jesus Christ who has come down to seek and to save that which is lost. Again, our love for ministry can take the place of our love for God. Ministry, ministry accomplishments, and the applause of man can easily become an idol. Now, this word confidence. I believe that confidence in God and the reality of revival is intricately linked with prayer. In 1 John chapter 5, we read this is the confidence that we have. We ask anything according to his will. We know he hears us. We know he hears us. We know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. It is the confidence that we have in the ministry of prayer to the one that has come down, to the one that is empowering, the one who is powerful, to ask on our behalf and to respond to this verse. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. Be not negligent, for the Lord has chosen you, 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 and you, and me as individuals. Never mind the next guy. Never mind the guy in front of you, the guy behind you. He has chosen the individual to stand. To stand, and not only to stand, but he goes on to say, notice it doesn't say, as the word climb means, to lay down in a couch or take it easy. He says, stand. He says there, before him, to serve him, and that you should minister unto him and offer sacrifice. What sacrifice? It's very simple, folks. It's time for some of us as older believers to get over our discouragement and our woes and problems that we seem to be facing and to fall on our faces before God, as I have done recently myself, where I have said, Lord, I am such and such an age. I can't do a lot of the things I used to do. But, oh, God Almighty, I can do what God wants me to do. And what God wants me to do is to present my body a living sacrifice to God, even if it's just for one day, if he took me home to more. This day may I be infectiously contagious in zeal, really expressing to people around me that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and he is the most profound and significant power that has ever walked on the face of the earth and with that realization he has chosen as unbelievable as it is to say Steve come here I need some place to reside I need some place to make my abode Steve, if you're willing, you're it. You're the one that I want. You're the one. You're the one. We're all the ones. But that decision has to be ours. Father, take the truth of the Word of God that we have quickly gone through this morning. We thank you, dear Father, for Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior. 
Words can't seem to describe, Lord, how, how profound and significant it is that this one has come from down from above and he has chosen to make his abode and abide within our lives and he has given us a will a will to forget our circumstances and the hurts and the pains and the people that we're focusing on or the things that haven't happened that should happen the things that did happen that shouldn't have happened and because we love Jesus Christ there is simply no other reason May we come to the place again where we would afresh present our bodies a living sacrifice unto God. Help us, dear God, to stand, to be infectious, to be contagious, and to be a vehicle that would be used, Lord, for your honor and glory. Again, Lord, as we began this message, be pleased to take the seed of thy word and break through all of the barriers and plant that seed indelibly, unmistakably in the soil of our hearts. And may we come to that place where we get up off the couch, that we get up off of this place of leisure, and that we would challenge God and say, Lord, I don't know how much time I have, God. But, oh, man, whatever time it is, I'm giving that time to you today. We thank you and praise your blessed name, Father, for we ask these things in that name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.